I know I've mentioned these incidents in homilies before, but I was a pretty good kid growing up. I only got called into the principal's office once. It was about second or third grade, and there was a snowball fight at recess. At first, I didn't say, uh, I said I didn't do anything, because the fact is I only threw one snowball and I missed my target anyways. However, Sister Marilyn, the principal, finally got me to confess that I threw a snowball. And the only time I got detention was in seventh grade. Um, I threw a piece of paper across the room to throw it away. I missed and got detention. The teacher even said if I had made it, that he wouldn't have given me detention. So because I'm not Steph Curry, I had to stay after school. So this has led to some sinful pride. I suppose it is good that I didn't want to be a troublemaker, but I'm pretty sure my thoughts ventured into sinful pride sometimes. And even now, sometimes my thoughts can wander into, at least I'm not like that person. The first reading says that the prayers of the lowly pierces the clouds. What great imagery. Sirach the author says the prayers of the lowly does not rest until it reaches its goal. The prayers of the lowly continue until the Most High God responds. Sirach talks about the weak, the oppressed, the widow, and the orphan. These would have been people at the lowest rung of society in Jesus' day. Their societal and financial situations would have given them plenty of opportunities to be lowly, to be humble. In sports, my dad annoyingly always roots for the underdog, uh, no matter what except when it comes to the Iowa State Cyclones. He always roots for his alma mater. So in this way, my dad and God seem to be alike. Scripture seems to indicate that God has a special place for the underdogs of society. We, always, we also seem to like stories of the rich and famous, acting kindly and humbly as if we didn't expect them to. We may not be on the lowest rungs of society, and we may not be one of the rich and famous, but we should still act lowly and humbly. Even in prayer, do we pray just for ourselves, or do we pray for that good things come to others? The ultimate good coming to them to know the love of Jesus Christ. Some people really do need our prayers. Their lives are not easy. Some people don't have a place to sleep. Some people don't have food to eat. The basics of, of life. And some people like St. Paul are in prison unfairly. St. Paul's second letter to Timothy, a young bishop, St. Paul says he is being poured out like a libation. Do you ever feel that way? That life has you down and all you do is give? St. Paul goes on to say that his time of departure, meaning his death, is at hand, is arriving soon. He says he has competed well, he has finished the race, he has kept the faith. May we be able to say the same thing at the end of our lives, that we have competed and fought for victory over sin and evil in our own lives and in those around us, that we have finished the race, that we have not grown weary. And this can be lifetime or daily. Sometimes at the end of the day, it is easy to let our guard down, especially spiritually. Satan knows this and likes to attack us when we are tired. So pray for extra graces in those moments to resist sin, that we have kept the faith, that it is easy to become lazy in our relationship with God. May it not be that way. Like a good spouse, may we always fight and affirm our relationship with God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, may this be true of us now and at the hour of our death. Again, St. Paul's life is not going well, at least on the outside. He's in prison. Everyone has deserted him. He seems to be alone. After all he had done for God, he seems to be alone. St. Paul, though, puts his hope and trust in the Lord. Even in this dire, lonely moment, he entrusts himself to God. Even in this moment, especially in this moment, St. Paul is humble and lowly. Again, Jesus is calling us to humility. He does this by telling another parable. Here, Jesus tells us exactly who this parable is for. The parable is for the proud. He says it is for those who are convinced of their own righteousness and despise everyone else. In other words, Jesus cautions those who are prideful and compare themselves to others. In the parable, two men are in the temple praying. The Pharisee, a religious leader, prays and thanks God that he is not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector, that he fasts twice a week and pays tithes, that means donates not just on his after-tax income, but his entire before-tax income. These are all good things, but his prayers are all about himself, about his own goodness. It is a prayer that sounds from a heart of pride, of arrogance. Meanwhile, the tax collector, again, Jewish tax collectors worked for the Roman government at the time and grew quite rich by demanding more tax than the Roman government did of their fellow Israelites, thus keeping the difference. So basically, the sin of stealing. Again, the tax collector, realizing his sin of stealing, out of good shame, out of humility, won't even raise his eyes to heaven in prayer. He beats his breast and prays, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says the tax collector went home justified, not the Pharisee. For, quote, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. God hears the prayers of the humble. Despising one's neighbor closes the door to one's heart to receiving God's love. Expressing disdain and contempt for others is more than being means-minded. It springs from the assumption that one is qualified to sit in the seat of judgment of another. The Pharisee forces us to think, is our prayer about our own greatness or about God's greatness? We cannot justify ourselves. Only God can justify us because we are all sinners, and God is God. God is perfect. The task collector's prayers were heard by God because he had true sorrow for his sins. He sought God with humility rather than with pride. The humble realize their need for God's help and mercy. Pride leads to self-deception and spiritual blindness. True humility helps us to see ourselves as we really are in God's eyes and inclines us to see God's help and mercy. God dwells with the humble of heart to recognize their own sinfulness to acknowledge God's mercy and saving grace. Just because we have not committed any major sins, like the Pharisee, we too, because of our goodness, can fall into the sin of pride. Like I said at the beginning of this homily, this has happened to me many times. We need to remember that compared to the perfection of God, we are all big sinners. We are all in need of a Savior. We all need help becoming holy, to becoming the persons God created us to be. 
This requires humility. To be truly great, to be great in Christ, we need to admit that we are not great, that we are sinners, that without Christ, we can do nothing.